You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Here to help you tackle your home improvement project. We want to solve the do-it-yourself dilemma that is stymieing you from getting started with the project that you know you want to get done. Or maybe your spouse knows it and your spouse hopes that you will figure it out. <laughs> hey, we can figure it out together. 888-666-3974. Let's face it, there's always, always, always a project that creeps up around your house. Heck, even around my house, my wife comes to me today and says, hey, I can't close the dishwasher. I'm like, what do you mean you can't close the dishwasher? Well, the dishwasher had disconnected itself from the countertop above, and in fact, we can now not close our dishwasher. So after my sh- after we get done with the show today, I'm going to be doing my weekend home improvement project and reconnecting the dishwasher. It happens. We understand that. We get it. And we're here to help you with your project. So give us a call. The number is 888-666-3974. Coming up in today's program, are you constantly misplacing tools? We've got some do-it-yourself tool organizational tips this hour to help make sure your DIY projects go smoothly and quickly because you won't be wasting time. I'm looking for tools. And also ahead this hour, do you want to keep your expensive air-conditioned air inside this summer? That makes sense. If you do, and I imagine you do, you want to start at your front door. We're going to tell you one very efficient way that you can do that. And you have a way to show your pride for the upcoming 4th of July. We're going to tell you how to put a flagpole up to let the stars and stripes fly. And also, one caller who makes it on the air with us this hour is going to get a great way to hang your clothes or anything really. It's called a hanger jack, and it's a bar that attaches to a wall with an arm that folds out for hanging things. It's cool. We're giving away two worth 30 bucks a piece. So give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first? Heather in Texas is dealing with a mold situation. Tell us what's going on. Um, well, I have, like, black spots in my restroom and I'm not sure if that's mold and I would like to know how can you fix it. Without seeing it, I can't tell you, but if they're black spots, it probably is mold. And where are these spots? Is it on the wall, shower curtain, tile, where? Ceiling? In the wall. On the wall. Do you have uh, wallpaper on the wall? No. What you might want to do is mix up a bleach and water solution, about 10 to 15% bleach and the rest water. Spray it on those spots, let it sit for a bit of time and then wipe it down with fresh water. So if there, if there is mold there, that will kill it. The reason we usually get mold in bathrooms is because they're wet and damp all the time. A couple of things that you can do there is, do you have a bath exhaust fan in this room? No. Well, you should have one. And this is one of the reasons you should have one, because it will draw air out of that room when it gets damp, especially if you hook it up to a humidistat, so it's only running when there's moisture 
in the room. If you don't have that, then the only thing that you can do is just get into the practice of wiping down walls or, or using a squeegee to wipe most of the water off the, the bath, shower walls, that sort of thing, every single time and leaving the door open. But if you don't have a bath exhaust fan, you're always going to be fighting this. When you do repaint next time, make sure you use a paint that has a mildicide built into it because that can also further reduce the chance of, of developing mold. Okay, Heather? Okay, thank you. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Next up, we've got Ray in North Carolina who's dealing with a roofing problem. Tell us what's going on at your Money Pit. Uh, make a long story short, I'm getting a new roof put on tomorrow. So I wanted to find out what questions to ask. Um, I've already asked a lot, as you can imagine. But uh, what is occurring right now is that I have very rotten fascia boards, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. And um, it, the gutters seem to leak a little bit. So I'm concerned. It seems to be two separate entities. But when they put the roof on, um, what do I need to ask and what should I be looking for? This is, just so you know, it's a, uh, I believe it's called a, uh, a dimensional roof. You know, it's kind of the upgraded dimensional shingles. It's a dimensional shingle. Okay, well, first of all, first thing I check is the weather report. Let's make sure we're not running into yeah, a lot of rain. Luckily, we're, we're, we're in good shape on that end. All right, good. Good. Check. That's good. Now, next, um, are they taking off the old layer? Or are they Correct. putting a second layer? They're taking it off. Good. That's good. So um, what do you need to ask? Well, first of all, you want to ask them how they plan to dispose of the old shingles. I mean, the right thing to do here is to put tarps around your house so that when they throw the shingles off the roof, you know, you don't end up with a million little pieces of this. So get the, get their sort of plan and their cleanup plan for this. Uh, in terms of that fascia, now that's not uncommon. And typically what happens is the gutters back up a little bit over the years and the water gets up there and it saturates against that fascia and it rots out. Now is the time, however, to replace that. To do that, though, you need to take the gutters down, obviously. Exactly. And, and my biggest question is, is that I've heard various things. Uh, you know, basically the roofer is saying, you know, it's, it's a separate uh, situation. We'll do the roof first because it's stupid to mess with the gutters as far as he's concerned because if you put new gutters up or, or whatever you do, it's going to create a mess. So let's do the roof first and then address the fascia and the gutters second. Is that Does that sound proper? It's fine. You could do it all at once or you could do it separately. Gotcha. It's just, one doesn't affect the other. You can put the roof on with the old gutters or the new gutters. So number one more thing I'm going to suggest to you, and that is instead of putting wood back up as a fascia, Take a look at a product called Azek, A-Z-E-K. A-Z-E-K? A-Z-E-K, right. Okay. It's an ex, uh, extruded PVC material. It's air and train, so it kind of looks like it has like sort of a wood structure to it, but it's made of PVC. So it doesn't rot, bugs won't eat it, and you'll never have to do with the, deal with this again. And you and can't paint it. If they properly, it should last, so to speak, forever. Forever, Exactly. Very good. Well, that's a good idea. You're welcome, Ray. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now you can call in your home repair or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, have you ever looked for a tool for a project only to waste time wondering where it disappeared to? I do that about eight times during the project. Right. Put the tape down, can't <laughs> find the tape. I should take my own advice. We're going to have tips on tool organization next. You live in a body pit. Body pit. 
staining an outdoor staining project? Make it faster and easier with Flood Wood Care products. Start today at flood.com slash simplify and use the interactive selection guide to find the right Flood Wood Care products for your project. Flood, simple across the board. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Standing by for your home improvement question at 888-MONEY-PIT. One caller who gets in touch with us this hour might just win a great new way to hang things. It's called Hanger Jack. You attach a 24-inch bar to a wall, and the hanger jack arm folds out for great organizing. It's made of tough polycarbonate that won't break or scratch. And we're giving away two of the hanger jacks worth 30 bucks each. Check them out at hangerjack.com or call us at 888-MONEY-PIT for your chance to win. Don in Wisconsin's dealing with a window well retaining wall that's coming apart. Tell us what's going on. We have a window well retaining wall that has uh, have railroad ties in there. Been there for quite a few years and it's starting to deteriorate. And uh, I'm just, uh, I've been trying to check in what to do and uh, been told to try to use retaining blocks and put blocks on there, and then you have to put some kind of a pea gravel in front of the block to hold the sand back, because we have sand here. It's a sand country. And I'm not sure. I never did this before. And uh, I was just wondering if it's something that a person, because I'm handy, would be able to do myself, or is it something that you should actually have a professional landscapers do? At the highest part of the wall, from the distance between the ground and the top of the wall, how high is that? 32 inches. Okay, so it's fairly low to the ground. All right. I think this is a project you can do yourself. Uh, concrete blocks, the interlocking um, retaining wall blocks, are a terrific option because they're very easy to install. Because it's only 32 inches off the ground, it's not a lot of soil for you to deal with. You're going to take the wall apart one sort of area at a time and build the blocks as you go. The thing that's going to be different about the concrete blocks, though, is you're going to have to have them on a bit of a solid footing. Now, that's one that you might want to create yourself. You could probably create that at a stone that's well tamped down. But you've got to get them sat nice and level. You can't just put it right on the dirt, okay? And, and then as, after you assemble them, then you can add the pea gravel behind it and the sand uh, behind that. But I do think that that's a good option, and it's going to be literally, if you do it right, you're going to get a lifetime's worth of satisfaction out of that because, of course, the blocks are not going to rot. Oh, okay. It sounds great. All right, Don, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. All right, now we've got Annette in North Carolina on the line who's working on a boathouse project. Tell us about it. The uh, deck on top of the boathouse, flat roof, has a bladder. I have removed the carpet that was originally on there 10 years. Want to know what I can put back on there on the bladder that will do better than carpet. And this is on the roof, so it's exposed to the elements. It is a flat roof. Now, a carpet, you know, exterior carpet is probably not the best choice just because it does tend to wear and tear quite, you know, quite quickly, even though you've got 10 years out of it. You know, it's probably not the best choice. Now, Tom, would you consider a composite decking material or can that not really sit directly on top of that bladder to get that water away? Well, actually, what I was thinking was to create a deck-like surface on top of that bladder. Right, a platform uh, where the deck, you really wouldn't have like the traditional floor joists or even two-by-fours. You might have a, say, two-by-six on the flat that lays flat on top of that deck, and then the deck boards sort of lay on top of that with 16 inches on center. So 
it's kind of like just making the top surface of the deck as the wear and tear surface on top of that bladder. Is there a, some sort of a railing system here as yes, well in it? Yes, it's all railed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then I would just create a composite deck that lays flat on top of that. Now, you can't just lay the composite decking boards on the bladder. You'll need some ways to keep them together. That's why I said that what I might do is take a pressure-treated 2x6, lay it on the flat, and use that sort of in essence as if it was a floor joist that you were attaching these decking boards to, and then lay the decking down on top of that. Now, there's also interlocking wood, and I think uh, it's made out of teak. Mm-hmm. I've used actually teak tiles like that. Yeah, there's teak tiles that interlock, right? And I know that I've seen them, people can put them down on top of patios. I suppose you could probably also put that down on top of the roof as long as it wasn't too soft. So any type of a wood decking surface like that would be a good choice. And those are interesting, the teak tiles that snap together. Um, do you have like a Christmas tree store near you? You know those stores. It's not really a holiday store. It's like uh, no, Lowe's is the closest. I'm uh, I'm 18 miles from any town. I'm way out in the, the woods. <laughs> okay, because there's several different companies actually that sell them online. Locally, for me, I found them at one of those like discount home decorating stores. But they're 12 by 12 teak tiles that almost look like a parquet tile like a a floor tile and they're set on a plastic base and they snap together and you can also get like an edging tile to sort of complete the border and that could sit directly on top of the bladder because it's got the little plastic base that you know creates that platform you know a good website to take a look at is swift deck swiftdeck.com is a company that uh, sells patio deck tiles they have ipe tiles it looks like they also have a composite Version. So a couple of options there. Great photos. You can see exactly what this looks like at swiftdeck.com. Beautiful. Thank you for your help. Well, are you tired of rummaging through a drawer or a toolbox for the gear that you need to take on a project? You can get organized with clever tool storage on the cheap. For example, you can repurpose an old tie or belt rack by hanging it near your workbench as an easy access home for a set of wrenches. Mm-hmm. Now, rigid foam packing insulation, it really makes a great pincushion for pointy tools. So you can cut it to fit inside a storage box for small drill or rotary tool bits. Or you can actually mount a piece to plywood as wall storage for your screwdrivers, pencils, and more. Magnetic strips also make great stay-put storage for small gear or tool sets. You can even recycle leftover PVC pipe or decommissioned garden hoses as guards for saws and other bladed tools. Just slit the length of the PVC or the hose, slip it on, and you're done. We've got more quick tool storage tips online at moneypit.com. Della and I was on the line with an attic fan question. How can we help you? Uh, my husband and I, uh, our attic fan went out, and okay. we don't know the first thing about attic fans. Okay. Do you have central air conditioning, Della? Yes, we do. Okay. Um, how old is your house? It's like 35 years old, 40 maybe. And what kinds of roof vents do you have? We have a slant at all one roof. It goes straight down. We just have a little portion of the home that's attic. We have the, uh, it don't have any attic above the living room and the dining room area. 
Because generally we don't recommend attic fans for homes that have central air conditioning. And here's why. Because when the attic fan operates, it depressurizes the attic, and then it draws air from inside the house up into the attic and exhausts it. So what that does is kind of rob some of your air conditioning, because most attic fans are overpowered for the attic spaces that they're in. A better approach is just to use passive vents where you have, say, ridge vents that go down the peak of the roof and soffit vents at the... You have that. We have huge overhang with the little vents all the way around. Then I wouldn't worry about the attic fan. Our guy, one of the guys says that, that it makes your, see, we have um, three-story. It's not a real story. It's like 12, 14 to the upper level. Then we have the basement. We have the basement, first floor, then all of our bedrooms and guest rooms is up on the third level. But we thought it would be cooler to get that hot air out of the attic. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. I don't think you need another attic fan. It sounds like you've got exactly what you need to have right now. Chad in Illinois is on the line with a flooring question. What can we do for you today? My question is concerning my linoleum floor I have in my kitchen. It was damaged probably during installation, and before we moved in, they cut out little squares and they patched it up. Well, over time, those squares have come up and gotten brittle and rolled over and it looks horrible, and I want to know, is there a way that I can repair that kind of like the way they did um, with cutting out a square or two from a closet or underneath the stove? What kind of uh, adhesive to use, or am I just fighting a losing battle and should just save the money and replace the whole floor sometime? Well, if it's an older floor like that, it, it might not make sense to keep fixing it, I mean, especially when you consider that remnant uh, vinyl is available. Laminate is available. The prices on this have gone way down. I mean, you can buy laminate floor now for probably as little as about $3 a square foot. Mm-hmm. So not expensive, pretty easy to install, all locked together, and actually will last you know a long, long time. I mean, I've had laminate floor in my kitchen for 20 years, and uh, it's really not shown anywhere whatsoever. So I think, you know, given what you've been through with this, it's probably time to move on. My wife would totally agree with you. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, you, you, we've, we've now given you our blessing. Go ahead and buy some new flooring. Okay, Chad? Make your wife happy. Thank you. Jamie in South Dakota is on the line with a vaulted ceiling with a crack in it. Tell us what's going on. We've been living in this house. It's built in 2000, and I believe it was a modular that was moved onto a basement foundation. And a few years back, we noticed it started to crack. And my husband tried to fix it, but uh, apparently whatever he did didn't work. Okay. Well, let's give him a little break on that. He could probably try it again, but maybe he didn't take some of the right steps. Now, first of all, cracks and vaulted ceilings are very, very common. There's a tremendous amount of expansion and contraction that goes up there, not to mention the fact that it, it's uh, you know one of the warmest places in the house, especially in the summer. So what you want to do to try to fix this is to sand over the area where the crack is so that you remove any loose paint, dirt, debris, that sort of thing. Next, you want to cover that with a piece of perforated drywall tape. It looks a bit like netting. It's a little sticky. It comes on a roll. And on top of that perforated tape, you want to add three layers of spackle. You start very narrow at about four inches, and you work out to maybe six or eight or ten inches in terms of the width of the spackle blade. That netting actually bridges the crack and makes sure it doesn't come through again. If you were simply to go up there and spackle it, the crack really isn't fixed, so the next time the ceiling expands and contracts, 
it's going to show up again. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. An energy-efficient front door, well, it can save you money and it can cut costs if it's made of fiberglass. We're going to tell you why after this. 888 The Money Pit is brought to you by Trax, the world's number one wood alternative decking brand. Just in time to give your outdoor living space a summer upgrade, Trex Enhanced Decking is available in stock at your local Home Depot. To learn more about the long-lasting beauty, hassle-free maintenance, and industry-leading warranty of Trex Enhance, visit homedepot.trex.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And one of the best ways to improve your home is by updating your entryway. You want to step up that curb appeal, get yourself a brand new front door. You know, with old technology doors, they let out the heat in the winter. They let out the cooling in the summer. But a good solution is to consider a low-maintenance Energy Star qualified fiberglass entry door. Yes, I said fiberglass. Why? Well, because it offers a lot of benefits over wood and steel doors. And with me to talk about that is George Nonamaker. George is the National Account Manager with Feather River Fiberglass Doors. Hi, George. Welcome to the program. Hey, Tom. How are you doing? We're doing well. So talk to me about some of the benefits of fiberglass. It seems like door technology has come quite a long way in the most recent decade, and fiberglass is a big part of that story. Yeah, uh, fiberglass, It's even though it's still been out there probably for 20 years, uh, it's still relatively new to the industry. Um, when people think of, you know, wood doors, um, they think of maintenance, you know, panels can crack, you know, they're not very energy efficient. Uh, with steel doors, the problem's there, they can dent, they can rust, um, and they, but they do have that energy efficiency. So fiberglass really is a low-maintenance alternative where it gives it the look of wood, but the low maintenance factors where of you know where maintenance would be an issue and i think that look of wood is really what's been the turning point for fiberglass in in, in recent years because uh, originally it had sort of that plastic look to it which wasn't very pleasant but now as you mentioned these doors can really look exactly like a wood door can't they Yes, you know, to your point, you know, before the technology, you know, the grain detail uh, wasn't that enhanced. But now when you look at the graining, so we have mahogany wood grain product, we have oak wood grain product. So there's a lot of definition and detail in the panel embossments and the graining, as well as some of the finishes. Uh, so most doors are available for pre-finished, and it gives you that really detailed, almost, you know, natural wood-looking door. Now let's talk about finishes. You know, with a wood door, you've always got a lot of moisture expansion and contraction, and those issues with steel doors, you have rust. Um, with fiberglass doors, what kind of durability do you get out of the finish on a fiberglass door since you're not dealing with those organic elements of uh, of swelling and crackling or rusting, for example? Yeah, so um, with fiberglass, you're going to have the low-maintenance aspect where, hey, it's not going to crack, it's not going to rust. Um, but if you are, like, pre-finishing, staining the door, um, right. probably every two to three years you just want to apply another coat of polyurethane that has UV inhibitors to protect it from the sun. And if you're painting the door, it would just be, you know, the annual maintenance on any painted type of product. So it doesn't really require any additional maintenance, and you can use standard paints, standard urethanes on fiberglass doors? 
Yes, so for our fiberglass doors, if you're looking to stain it, you can use an oil-based, water-based, or gelled stain. And on mm-hmm. uh, if you're painting the product, you can use any oil-based product or water-based. You know, We're talking to George Nonamaker. He is an expert in fiberglass entry doors. Now, fiberglass doors aren't all fiberglass. They still have wood components uh, with the jams. Is that correct? How do we maintain those areas? So for the jams, one thing we have is a silky system. And what that is, there's a, a, a composite component integrated into the bottom of the jam that helps lift that jam up off the subfloor. So okay. you've noticed still a, a wood jam. Uh, the jams do come primed, but you know, you want to basically paint that and then just keep the upkeep of, like, keeping areas caulked where it meets the, uh, any of the jams or the brick mold or the wood siding or, or trim mm-hmm. on your house, um, and just annual maintenance and, you know, painting that and keeping that up to The silky system, I think, is important because uh, when you plant a door, you know, against a, a surface uh, like the subfloor, uh, what happens is water strikes that it rolls down to that, and then because it's sort of connected, it draws up through through the force of capillarity. It'll just sort of suck it right up. But if you have the silky system that provides this sort of strategic separation, that's designed to interrupt that force, correct? That's correct. So, yeah, so to your point of, like, water wicking, you know, water can, if it penetrates into that area, and it can just wick up to the end grains of the wood if it's just sitting on the subfloor, even around that threshold area, and over time eventually rot from the bottom up. Now, your products are available at the Home Depot and online at homedepot.com. Let's talk about options. There are lots of choices. What does a consumer have to choose from when it comes to Feather River fiberglass entry doors? Yeah, there's a number of options when it comes to, you know, fiberglass, whether you're looking at, you know, particular type of door type, like a mahogany wood grain, an oak wood grain, or maybe you're looking just for a smooth finish, similar to a steel door. And then it comes into the glass designs. Um, So, you know, if you have a craftsman style in mind or something a little more elegant, and then the caming. Before, brass caming used to be pretty popular. Now you see more of the zinc and patina type caming, so uh, to match the different handle sets and lightings uh, around the house. All right. Well, it's a great product. It's time for you to take a look at fiberglass doors, folks. If you haven't yet, I've got fiberglass doors on my home for a very good reason, many of which we've just stated with George. They look great. They don't uh, crack. They don't check. They don't warp. They need very, very little maintenance, and they really... A step up the curb appeal of your home. George Nonamaker from Feather River Doors. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Tom, appreciate it, and thank you. If you'd like more information, you can take a look at their website, which is simply featherriverdoor.com. And remember, Feather River Doors are available at the Home Depot and online at homedepot.com. Well, don't get caught without a way to display old glory for the 4th of July. We're going to tell you how to put up a flagpole after this. Live in the Money Pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Trex, the world's number one wood alternative decking brand. Just in time to give your outdoor living space a summer upgrade, Trex Enhanced Decking is available in stock at your local Home Depot. To learn more about the long-lasting beauty, hassle-free maintenance, and industry-leading warranty of Trex Enhance, visit homedepot.trex.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. We're giving away two hanger jack systems so you can start organizing. You know, space always seems to be at a premium for everybody out there. And hanger jack lets you hang just about anything from laundry to bikes to all kinds of garage storage items. We're giving away two hanger jacks worth 30 bucks a piece. So it's a $60 prize. Check them out at hangerjack.com. 
MoneyPit.com and call us right now at 888-MONEYPIT for your chance to win. Pat in South Dakota is on the line and looking to replace some windows. Tell us about the project. I am going to replace some windows in an old house, and I am wondering what type of window to go with, a wooden window, a vinyl, or a fiberglass. In terms of energy saving? That's right. Okay, so the answer is it doesn't much matter. Because there's a lot more to determining what type of window is going to be energy efficient than just the material it's made out of. There can be extremely energy efficient windows in all of those materials. But there are dozens of things that go into the energy efficiency of the window. Not only what the frames are, but what the glass is made out of, what the weather stripping is made out of, what the frames are made out of, and so on. So what I would do is this, Pat. First of all, I would only shop for Energy Star qualified windows. Uh, secondly, there's a label on the glass, and it's from the National Fenestration uh, Rating Council, NFRC label. It's going to have a set of numbers on there. It's going to measure stuff like how much heat gets through the window and how much uh, insulation the window has and so on. And look at the numbers on the NFRC label and use those to help compare brand to brand to brand. If you stick with a really good quality window like an Anderson, just as a new replacement window, for example, that just came out, their Model 400 series, you really can't go wrong. But the decision isn't just what's the window made out of, but it's the whole package and how that impacts the energy efficiency uh, of your home. Okay. All right. Thank you. Good luck, Pat. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. Well, next month, America turns 237 years old. And she looks pretty darn good, if I do say so myself. Really, it's a beautiful country, so happy birthday, America. Now, if you guys don't already have one, now is the perfect time to get a flagpole and have old glory flying just in time for the 4th of July. QuickCrete has some tips on a fast and efficient way that you can do just that. First, you need to do a little math before you dig the hole for the pole. The diameter of the hole should be three times bigger than the pole. It should also be one-third the depth of the pole plus six inches below that for your frost line. Now, tamp the bottom until it's firm. You pour in about six inches of gravel for drainage on top of the dirt. Mm -hmm. Next, you want to position the pole to make sure that it's level and plumb, and then you can go ahead and pour in quickcrete fast-setting concrete mix. You want to put it in dry right from the bag until it reaches about three to four inches from the top. Then go ahead and add the water to the dry mix in accordance with the directions, and you're good to go. The fast-setting mix is made of sand and gravel, and it's designed to set hard fast. So in about 20 to 40 minutes, your flagpole will be in place and secure. Now you can review the instructions in detail at quickcrete.com. That's spelled Q-U-I-K-R-E-T-E dot com. Annette in Arizona is on the line and needs some help with a patio project. Tell us about it. The problem that I'm having is I've been wanting a patio cover put on my house for the last 20 years. Okay. Well, now that my kids have grown up, I'm able to do that now. So the problem is everyone is telling me that I have a very low roof. And my ceilings in my house are only seven and a half feet ceilings. Okay. So I don't have much of a clearance. So, of course, everything else seems to be lower in the backyard. I've called probably eight or nine different builders now to see how much it would cost this patio cover. And it's straight across. So it's 56 feet long, the, right. the whole length of the house. And I think probably six of them never call me back. 
That's pretty typical. And so the two that have, one of them is a very good friend of mine, and I really do trust him in building this patio cover, but he says I need to cut six feet into my roof in order to get the pitch that I need for the very end. So I really wanted a 56 feet wide by 10 feet out patio cover. Right. So what he's saying is that if he adds a roof, it kind of starts at the edge of your roof and then kind of comes out from that, you're not going to have much pitch. Is that correct? Because it's starting so low. So I think your builder friend is probably correct from, from your description. Um, that said, the problem that you have with uh, different builders giving you different advice can be completely avoided if you get a design professional to go in there first. So if, you, if you're able to find, for example, an architect in your area that, that wanted to take on a small project, have them design this patio cover for you and then you'll have a set of specifications you can work through all the angles with the architect or the designer then you'll have a set of specifications you can call those contractors back and say this is exactly what i want now just give me a price to build it otherwise you have no way of comparing apples to apples because every builder is going to have their own solution and you're going to get different prices and you're really not going to know you know how to compare them because who knows what one guy's doing versus versus another does that make sense to you yeah i understand and the problem is i wouldn't mind him doing it but i'm so afraid that wherever he cuts into it to build out I'm so worried that I'm going to start having problems leaking. I, I really wouldn't worry about it, okay? Because builders know how to build roofs and know how to build roofs that don't leak. And somebody built that roof that's over your house right now, and there's no reason to think that your builder can't attach another roof to it and then re-roof that area properly so that you don't get leaks. I think he's giving you the right advice because you can't. if you start low and then go out, you're going to end up with almost a flat roof, and that's going to leak like a sieve. So if you have a good pitch, that's going to be the surest way to avoid leaks. I would not worry at all about uh, a contract that it has to you know, dig into an existing roof that's done all the time. It's not a big deal. If somebody knows what they're doing, they can roof it properly, flash it properly, and you will have no leaking issues, uh, new leaking issues as a result. All right. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate your answer because my worry was it's going to start leaking and then I'm going to have major problems because it's going to be leaking over the family room, the dining room, the kitchen, and the bedroom. And I said that's another problem that I don't want to get into. Yeah, well, you know, now that the kids are gone, I think it's time for you to get that project done and enjoy it, right? Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Annette. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, summer is the season for kids to get outside and play, and adults for that matter. And you know, with your kids, a swing can help. We're going to have tips on how you can build your own after this. You live in a money pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Lutron's new Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switch. Never ask, who left the lights on again? Starting at around $20, this motion-sensing light switch turns the lights on automatically when you walk into a room and off when you leave and works with all types of light bulbs. Learn more at LutronSensors.com. 
making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. The most popular question here on the Money Pit always has something to do with floors. Why? Well, because a new floor can determine the character of your entire house. If you'd like tips on the latest advances in wood, engineered, hardwood, and hardwood flooring, we've got a story about how to choose the best type of floor for your home on MoneyPit.com. And while you're online, you can head on over to the community section and post a question there, which we will answer, just like Ernie from Arkansas did. And he writes, we lost power in a storm recently. And when it came back on, one of the light switches in our kitchen didn't work. Is this something serious? It could be, or it might not be, but because it's electrical, it's not worth taking the risk. I would definitely have it addressed. Now, sometimes when you have a storm, you also have surges and spikes and brownouts and basically an inconsistency of the power being delivered to your house. And so if you did get especially a surge uh, in the line, it could cause a switch to fail, could cause a light fixture to fail. So I would definitely have those fixtures looked at, have those switches looked at, uh, and maybe just go ahead and replace them. It's not not expensive to do that, especially if you're going to have an electrician in your house. But don't take a chance with uh, with a light switch like that, especially after a storm. And by the way, if it turns out to be a bigger problem than just one switch, it's probably covered by homeowners insurance because something that happens as a result as a result, for example, of a of a surge, a storm surge. Uh, with the power uh, would be uh, a, something that's typically covered by insurance. All right. Next up, Blake from Indiana writes, in the last store, my vinyl siding appears to have come apart in one section. Can I fix this? Yeah, actually you can. Now, there's a tool. It's called a zipper tool in the siding business. And because if you've ever seen vinyl siding assembled, you put the bottom piece on first and then you, they layer it from there. Well, when those sections disconnect, they're a little tricky to kind of snap back in, back in place. So there's a tool called a zipper tool that's designed to do that. You could probably pick one up at a siding supplier. Um, I don't think you'd find that at a home center or hardware store, but if you have a big place that sells a like roofing and siding material in your area, they probably sell it. It's very inexpensive, and that's the tool that you need to put that back together. Yeah, and that's like a real trick of the trade. And if you have one of those tools, Blake, I bet all of your neighbors with vinyl siding will be knocking on your door at some point. <laughs> Well, would you like to recapture your childhood with a little eye-catching curb appeal? Well, why not build a swing? Leslie's got tips on how to do just that in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Yeah, you know, there's something so innocent and appealing about a swing. And I'm not talking about the fancy metal pole models that you may have in your yard for kids. I'm talking about those old-fashioned wooden swings hanging from a tree limb. First of all, you have to have a limb that's strong enough to support the swing and you. That's totally critical. Now, you can buy kits online fairly inexpensively, or you can make one yourself with two sturdy ropes and a plank of wood. Cedar works excellently. You'd have to drill four holes in the plank near the corners and secure the ropes with a very sturdy knot. Now, if you have the right tree in your front yard, you will definitely amp up your curb appeal. You can go ahead and paint the seat a bright, high-gloss color and wait for the passers-by to point and smile. You may have to shoo them away because it would be so appealing they might want to jump on. But a swing really is just the best part of summer. Totally agree. We've had many years invested in a tire swing that hung in our backyard. The kids just love it. And when I think back of all the photos we took around that thing, it really has been a big part of of our family. So it's a great project to do. Coming up on the next edition of The Money Pit, with hurricane season upon us, a safe room can protect you and your family in the storm. We're going to tell you how to build sturdy rooms that will deliver safety and peace of mind on the next edition 
of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 